this is actually an interesting aside is that if you're thinking about trying agile in any form or fashion try and get a baseline right now because this is something that a lot of our clients struggle with is they don't have a before picture like they don't have a good indication of how long does the campaign take to get out the door what's the typical return on these types of investments or these types of activities um, and so that makes it challenging a lot of times for them to say welcome to innovation and leadership where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers elite special operations soldiers startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars pro athletes Hollywood filmmakers really as many different kinds of experts as I can the whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's show. And this is part two of our interview with Andrea Fryrear, co-founder of Agile Sherpas. Um, please go back and listen to part one if you didn't and, and hear about uh, her path and, and uh, a different way of doing marketing where you get... I'm going I'm to say it and then I want you to say it better, okay? But I feel <laughs> like Agile marketing is getting results quickly and finding out what is and isn't working quickly so you can double down on the stuff that is working. How would you say it better? No, I think that that's an excellent characterization, right? Like find out the effective stuff and do more like it and learn what's not working quickly and move on. Yeah. So let's, at the end of part one, we were talking about email marketing and just, you know, how it's so easy to get distracted by the shiny penny of whatever the newest social media stuff is. And, and social media obviously has an effect, but like you said, um, you know, look at Facebook and how much people, how much money people put in to get enough followers and enough likes. And all of a sudden that's essentially worthless now. And you just have to pay if you want to get your stuff to anybody on Facebook. Right. Mm -hmm. It's yep. like all of that investment down the drain. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I'm thinking about, this idea for email marketing and, and how it just consistently has worked over the years for so many people and it keeps working. Um, when you think about agile marketing, um, so we were using the example of, Hey, this investment fund, my partners and I are trying to start real estate. If we are looking at email marketing for us, there's, there's obviously the, what's our, you know, what's our two day work project where we can run our experiment to see, you know, will this get more email signups? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's an example of of what our work could be on an email that's actually effective? Like what what are things that we should be measuring? What what should we be looking at? What are how do you approach, you know, treating treating the next email to go out as its own project? Yeah, that's that's a really useful approach as well. And and then we're getting into kind of standard A-B testing. So that right, we're sending out two emails, one with subject line A and one with subject line B. And so that might be a work item in your team's backlog is to say, experiment with new subject line format. And so instead of just sending out your weekly email like you always would, you're going to set up this test. And then that card could be counted as done when the test goes out. And then you might put a new one into your backlog that says, evaluate the performance of the A-B test run week of February 10th. And so then we're going to go and we're going to look and decide, was that a good experiment? Do we want to keep going? And I find it very helpful to do that, to actually put a card, a new card in the backlog that says evaluate results of this experiment or review analytics for X new page so that it's not a, oh, yeah, I should really get back to that, that it gets prioritized against other work. 
Um, and so that's how agile can kind of help us iterate, not just in like a big, let's explore a new channel or let's go after a new persona kind of way, but to optimize the, the day-to-day work that we have to do as well as marketers. So let, let's break that down a bit. So, you know, my frame of reference is our, my other company, Mylan Advisors, where we've got the, you know, my 40 year lean guys from GE Aviation or, you know, my different consultants, right? So when you say cards, I mean, these people are so nuts about visual workspace. Like it's like a, you know, they've got a big whiteboard and Uh they've got like, (laughs) you know, it's like first grade. They've got like a, an envelope with pockets and they're writing down stuff on, on uh, recipe cards. And it moves from this, from this pocket to that pocket. And they've got the printout that gets changed every day. And they're doing the standup meeting in front of it every day. Tell, tell me like granularly, somebody listening to us and they're thinking, okay, I'm interested in not having our marketing take forever and then not work. So, um, we've got the, we've got the, whatever room we're going to be doing our visual workplace in. When you say the cards, are you, you know, like, and I know this is silly, but like, are we talking like we bought some Tupperwares and it goes from this, this bucket to that bucket? Like, what does this physically look like in a room where somebody is doing this? Yeah, for sure. It's it's good. Good that you ask this because I start to like assume (laughs) that people are doing things. So, um, new teams, I always tell them get like a whiteboard, like I'm sure your, your folks have and sticky notes. Um, and also go buy stock in 3M cause you're going to be buying a lot of post-it. <laughs> um, but you, you write out on an individual sticky, the activity that you need to do, right? So AB test email week of February 10th. Um, if you want to get more specific, this is probably where your, your lean guys are going to get the bigger, like index size cards, then you can write a little more on there. Things, you know, uh, success metric equals uh, click-through rate, um, delivery date equals February 11th, uh, put my initials on it if I'm responsible for it, right? You can get a little more specific on the bigger cards. Um, And then use tape or magnets or whatever to move them across an actual wall, right? So it's either in the backlog in a big long list, or we've got the next stage of work, which is like a distinct column on your board that's in progress. And then we have another one that might be review or, you know, whatever, if you need it, if somebody has to QA the work before it goes out, then it moves into that one. And then it moves to done. So like, yes, it's the actual physical card of some kind that's migrating across the board, uh, whenever you can get it. And then if not, like I said, you can get a very similar experience with something like Trello, where you're just typing the stuff in, and then it's just dragging the digital card from stage to stage. Okay. And then you know, I think about how many of us, we read a book or we went to a conference. We're like, this is the greatest idea. I'm going to start doing this now. (laughs) Can you talk about, um, the discipline or the systems that can help get people to actually check that stuff enough that this becomes useful and like not have it just get put off and like, Oh yeah, we got to do that. You know what? We're busy. Let's do it tomorrow. Like, Mm -hmm. can you talk about helping, you know, people build a new routine and like have this be part of their identity of like, we are agile people or how do you get it? How do you get it in the bones? Yeah. I mean, for me, I put everything in my board. Like I don't have, you know, uh, personal activities live in my phone and then work activities are on Slack and like, it's all together so that I can prioritize stuff effectively on my personal Kanban board. And then uh, the Agile Sherpas team has our own board. And with Trello, at least you can mirror cards. And so I copy cards from Agile Sherpas into my own personal backlog so then I manage my work kind of and they can still see what I'm doing that's supporting the team um but it's it's about 
if you need to build up the capability, um, the daily stand-up meeting that you were talking about is a really powerful thing to start incorporating. So once you've done the hard work, honestly, the first building of your backlog is like the biggest lift of the whole process, just getting all the work out of your brain or out of your notebook or wherever it lives and into some kind of visualized, prioritized list, then you want things to be moving. And so this daily stand-up is every morning, the whole team gets together. We call it a stand-up because we should all be standing to look at our work and, and be very quick, right? We stand up because then we won't ramble or go off track. And we say, all right, over the last 24 hours, how have we pushed ourselves forward? What did Andrea get done? What did Jess get done? What got stuck or blocked, right? There's some kind of problem that came up that's going to prevent this project from moving forward. Can we help one another with those issues? All right, good. Everybody ready to go crush the day? Good, awesome. Off we go and we're ready to go do the work we all just agreed is the most important. And then we do that every single day. And there's nothing like accountability and staring people in the eye and telling them you didn't get anything done the last 24 hours to really encourage you to, to focus on the work that you agreed to do. So it's so simple. You know, this idea of what get measure, gets measured gets done and so unused, right? Like I'm thinking about our business right now, which, you know, being an entrepreneur and owning more than one company, we've got, we've got teams of stuff. I've got I've got entire teams of analysts looking at real estate deals right now, right? Mm -hmm. And the nature of not having a daily check-in, I promise you that stuff's taking four times longer than it needs to. Oh yeah. Right? And it's the <laughs> and like it's so simple. As you're saying that, I'm just thinking like how many stand-ups we are not having <laughs> at my <laughs> company and thinking like, oh yeah, this would all be going faster if we were doing that. And like you said, it doesn't have to be long, but that like Okay, yesterday you said you'd do this. How'd that go? Uh, I didn't do it. Yeah. Like, if you know, it could be like 1030 at night and you're like, oh, I didn't do that. If I don't have to tell anybody in the morning, I'm just going to bed. If in the right. morning I have to get up and say, I didn't, I didn't do what I said I was going to do, I'm going to get out of bed and go turn the computer back on, you know? Yep. And I've, I'm at the point where I will hardly not work with a vendor who does not agree to join our board and come to stand up, not every day, they don't have to come every day, but I need to talk to them at least once a week because it's the same, it's the same thing, right? My project will languish in their to-do list if, but unless, if they know that they have to show up and tell me on Tuesday, oh, sorry, we made no progress in the last week. Nobody wants to say that to their client. So uh, it's, it's quite powerful, just visibility, right? And transparency and accountability through a pretty lightweight process. Things get heavy, of course, when we start thinking about um, we have one marketing organization we're working with that's 2,000 marketers, right? And so then you get a little more complicated. But for smaller groups, it does, doesn't have to be rocket science. Well, and my guess is you guys are in Colorado, right? Yeah, that's right. And you're, I'm sure you're helping folks all over the place. For, for a little context of how much of a difference this can make, can you talk about a big giant organization and then can you talk about a startup and just like just tell us a couple of success stories of when they sorry when they really got indoctrinated with this what kind of you know what kind of financial results they got or what kind of percentage results they got or something yeah for sure i mean so this is actually an interesting aside is that if you're thinking about trying agile in any form or fashion try and get a baseline right now because this is something that a lot of our clients struggle with is they don't have a before picture, like they don't have a good indication of how long does the campaign take to get out the door? 
what's the typical return on these types of investments or these types of activities. Um, and so that makes it challenging a lot of times for them to say in a quantitative way what Agile has brought them. Um, the qualitative is always like, oh my God, this is amazing and everything's faster and I hate my job way less, you know, but um, there are there are documented case studies. So um, the I'm trying to think of the numbers off the top of my head. So obvious ones are speed to market, right? So teams that used to take four months to get anything out the door, right? A campaign at the most basic level requires four months because three VPs have to sign off on it and sales wants to see it and the creative director has to review every image and every line of copy. And so it's just, right, this massive, like bureaucratic monster that can't get out the door. Uh, and then with Agile, you can go, the typical improvement is on the order of two to 300%. And so a four month campaign is now going out the door in something like four weeks, right? And so- <laughs> We should have started speed... with this. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the speed is really an efficiency, right? Productivity, these kind of baseline, this stuff shouldn't take this long. Why is it taking this long? Those kinds of things improve Well, you think about what three three extra months of sales on that new campaign right. is worth from a dollar perspective, right? Right. It's it's this beautiful, um, my, my partner is the analytics guy. Um, he has a great blog post he did a couple of weeks ago about cost of delay. And so, yes, like what are we losing by delaying this release that many months? And what could we be getting if it was already out in the market? And this can be a really powerful thing to use to prioritize your backlog, right? The things with the highest cost of delay should be done first. And um, that's a very powerful lens. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of clients actually who come to Agile from a place of uh, needing to get better employee engagement uh, because marketers, we churn a lot. Like we are pretty notorious for not sticking around a long time. And that's very expensive for organizations to lose people and train new people and hiring and, and so forth. But Agile teams are far more engaged. They have way higher levels of morale and their retention, employee retention is much higher. And that alone is a very powerful thing when we think about uh, customer connection and the quality of work being produced. Um, so that's another great metric. And those are easier to measure usually because most people are taking some kind of pulse of their employees, um, either six months or annually or something. And then we can compare pre and post Agile. Um, well, and my favorite, just, my favorite, just when you were saying that though, I, like, it's funny that you brought that up next because when you were talking before, I was thinking like, yeah, not only do you get an extra three months worth of sales, right. But, um, for the team, like you, you get to avoid the like death by a thousand paper cuts. Yep. You know, I think about different agency owners we've had on the show, you know, um, Amy Stellhorn from, from big monocle, you know, and she has all these big tech companies in, in the Bay area. Right. And when she has talked to me over the years about um, just the, the bureaucracy, like the three VPs that need to sign off and then what you have to do to get actually get to them to get that signed off. And then yep. every meeting ends with um, every meeting ends with this was great. Let's have another meeting about it, you know, <laughs> and they're like, I mean, no wonder it like sucks the life out of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's soul sucking. Yeah, for sure. But um, we actually it's going out tomorrow, I believe. Um, uh, I met for coffee, a new agile marketer here in Boulder, who's about a year into being on an agile team. And she's just like, this was here the whole time. 
like what the what this is so much better <laughs> than the horrible you know working 50 60 hours a week and still feeling like you're never moving forward it's just this horrible hamster wheel and um she said like i'm happier i'm more productive i'm more successful at my job i will never ever go back and that happens to every marketer who works in an agile team now to the point where it's becoming a differentiator. If you can say we're an agile marketing environment where you will have autonomy and your work will be connected to the larger purpose of the organization, people are flocking to those kinds of environments because they know what it means to work there versus to work in the death by a thousand paper cuts office. Yeah. So I love this. Let, let's, let's try and, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's, can you try and tell us a couple more customer stories that like, you know, a CEO or a CFO who's, who's really worried about the, the money, like, you know, the mm -hmm. HR team's worried about, do people like their job and are we going to have to go recruit more folks? And the CEO and the CFO are, are worried about, you know, they're, they're trying to be worried about their people, but the board is breathing down their neck about the money or the, you know, the venture, the venture capitalists are breathing down their neck about the sales. Right. Yeah. So, um, can you tell us a couple more just tell us a couple more success stories. Yeah. So thinking about kind of sales and more of those bottom line metrics, um, if there's the capability to track that sort of thing, common number improvements are like um, marketing sourced opportunities, right? The the work that marketing is able to send to sales that ends up closing. Yep. Um, I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head. I believe it was 60% improvement there from a client um, with no more budget, right? It's we're spending the same amount that we have always spent, but because we're able to a release more often, but also get more information factor, right? About what's working and what's not, then the marketing team has the opportunity to do that kind of pivot persevere moment every couple of weeks. So it's making these incremental adjustments, each of which improves the overall performance of a campaign instead of we put it out in January and then we're not going to touch it maybe ever, but definitely not until we do like the six month review of the metrics. Um, so yeah, so like I, I, I want to jump in on that for one second, because I think about this and I think about, you know, whether it's different clients, different friends, companies, companies I've worked at different stuff. And there is this like, you know, we do an offsite or people get together and they, they, you know, they download their geniusness. This is what we should do now. And it seems like so often they make the decision once and they try to execute that. And they, like, I just think there's so few of us that schedule the review of when are we going to actually look at the measurements of whether this is working or not and let the data tell us if we're geniuses or not, instead of just tell each other around this boardroom table, we must be geniuses. This is a great idea. Why do you think that we don't do that why aren't we scheduling our measurement meetings because Just... there's always there's always something else right mm. that project's done and now we've got to move on to the next thing and the next thing and uh, you know we've got to publish every week and we've got to send out the email newsletter and we've got to fill social media and we've got to follow up with clients and there's just so much that we could be doing <laughs> if we're not prioritizing effectively then the measurement piece just doesn't happen. But if you have that review, like every two weeks it's on the calendar, we're going to do it. We're show and tell the work, talk about the numbers and then take what we learned and put work now into the backlog to say that was awesome. Way more than we thought it would be put more work like that into the, the queue. So we do more like it. Or like I said before, that one was a bomb. Don't like, we have three more campaigns planned like that one, shut it down. <laughs> Don't do that work. 
um, even though we had thought, like you say, in our planning meeting, we're like, this, this is the great thing that we're going to do and stop, right? Pivot away from it if the data doesn't support that activity. You know, that it's so funny. That's exactly the same thing that needs to happen in sales teams. I think, you know, I used to work for a sales training company 16 years ago. I owned a sales training company. I've still done, you know, <laughs> over the years, whether it's big team, you know, top sales teams at Microsoft and Oracle or startup sales teams or, you know, billion dollar investment firms that I've taught sales teams at, right? Let alone our own reps. I think that is such a, that is such a good point of like, people like technically have a sales manager, right? But those places that make a ton of progress is when there is this consistent review of what are the inputs? How many people did you see? How many people did you call? How many you know, events did you go to? Like what, you know, what activities, what inputs did you do and what outputs happened? And what does that make you think you should do more? Like if, if CEOs or sales leaders would just do that, there's so many companies that would make so much more money. And, uh, and if that happened together with the marketing team, like if you could have a marketing two weeker and the sales meeting, probably at least weekly, but you know, and then even if it was only once a month, but like if you could get those two together to do that and sales saw what marketing was doing, marketing saw what sales was doing, and then they talked about the overlap and so-and-so was like, oh yeah, I did, I had 15 of those and everybody's in the room like, what? I had one. Yeah. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and it, we would call it a big room planning session that would happen every quarter where we would say, all right, what are you guys doing this quarter? What are you doing this quarter? And then there's, even within marketing, there's almost always a team that goes, well, I'm going to make a campaign for with these channels targeted at these people. And then a, an entirely different marketing team from a different business unit or a different product line is like, oh, hey, we were planning to do something that's like 70% like that. And then we say, great, let's share resources. Let's not all go to the agency and ask them to do the exact same work, you know? Okay, once again, um, so simple, mm-hmm. so simple. Any eighth grade kid can run a meeting <laughs> like that, Right. And yet so unlikely to be happening. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, once you start it, once you get that, that habit built up, right? Every week we have this meeting, we have this conversation and people kind of moan about it in the beginning because they're like, eh, I have too many meetings already. But what this does is save you from 80% of the other meetings you have because you don't have to have status update meetings. You don't have to meet with project A and B and C and D because we have one team, one view, and the you also saves you from like Slack and email awfulness where you have 50 million things to respond to because you've talked about it already in this one meeting. And then we go off and we do our work and we come back around. Um, so that's people can say like, oh, more meetings. I don't need more meetings. But it's not supposed to be more meetings. It's supposed to replace most of the pointless, horrible meetings that we're all in all the time. <laughs> you know what? It's funny how true principles apply regardless of our sector, right? Like uh-huh. um, at our charity, Child Rescue, um, and as we've got all these special ops guys and FBI and CIA guys that help us, you know, with helping cops save kids from child traffickers, stuff like this, okay? And some of those guys come work for Mylan and we'll have them go teach like leadership classes and stuff like that, okay? And uh, there's a lot of the guys from that community that have a lot of respect for the guy who used to be in charge of the Joint Special Operations Command, Stanley McChrystal, who has a consulting firm now. And he came out with this book called Team of Teams. Uh-huh. And, I love Team of Teams. Okay. You, it's, it's interesting how like everything you're saying is making me think of that, of like, man, Al-Qaeda was so much worse funded than us and they were beating us 
even though we had a better army because they were so fast you know we'd hit a site and then we'd watch on the drones later and the people would show up like an hour later and they're picking everything apart and they're figuring out what we did and they're figuring out how we knew that and then they adjust their whole network immediately and and they're like essentially beating us right and so he starts doing his daily stand-up meeting across like Every time zone in the world, he's got all these leaders from all these agencies and they hop on that call. And every day it's like this happened and we're doing this. And it, it was not about having better trained or bigger or anything like that. It was about, can we get as fast as Al Qaeda? Yep. And it's, it's like you said, it doesn't matter the industry, the, the principles are the same. And then it just comes down to understanding them well enough to make that adaptation. So if it's, Whatever your goal is, whether it's beat Al-Qaeda or beat last quarter's sales numbers, right? You can apply the same principles uh, if you have the discipline to, to make it happen. I love it. Well, listen, I know you talk a lot. I know you get interviewed and stuff. Maybe as a closing thing here, I'll let you choose. Either um, what's, the, what's the best advice you've ever received? doesn't have to be about marketing or business. What's the best advice you've ever received? Or what's the advice you would most wish to go give a younger version of yourself? <laughs> oh, uh, I think I'll do the second one. Um, what I would tell my younger self is don't assume that you know where you're going. Like be open to the paths that will show themselves that you couldn't possibly predict. Because I would have never told you that I was going to be excited to go train a room of 40 people for two days or that I would love to stand up in front of hundreds of people and give a keynote address. But those are like my favorite parts of my job now. Um, and I would have, I would have told you five years ago, I'd rather go hide under a desk than do those things. But now I love them. So there's no predicting, just be open to, to what's going to come. That's awesome. Okay, everybody go to, go to agile Sherpas, get her downloads, check out our blog posts and, uh, thanks for making time for this. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Bye.